a heart strangely warmed even in a pandemic. Being encouraged with Bishop Julius Tremble here on the United Methodist People podcast, episode number 29 with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Uh, answer this question, what does it mean for us to be perfected in Christ's love? And what does it mean for us to be followers of Jesus in our prayer life? Welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The United Methodist People Podcast helps clergy and church leaders connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from the people making a difference in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast, where it is our mission to help strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church to help us to achieve our goal, our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we do so through conversation and commentary. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, a local church pastor in Indianapolis and looking to be helpful to strengthen the connection. We do that, among other ways, by having a conversation on a regular basis with Bishop Julius Trimble being encouraged with Bishop Julius Tremble. Today we'll be talking about the Aldersgate experience. We'll be talking about some plans for churches to return back to worship and some protocols that way, including things regarding logistics, how we can learn from this experience, and the leadership that is required. Here in the United Methodist People podcast, we're here to be helpful to you. You can go to our website, unitedmethodistpodcast.com, and you can find lots of back episodes of the podcast to be helpful to you there and speak into your life. Right now, we're pleased to have uh, Bishop Julius Trimble with us, the Bishop of the Indiana area, who's going to talk to us about his own personal experiences in his faith, as well as some of the happenings in the church here on Being Encouraged with Bishop Trimble. Let's get into that conversation right now. Bishop, welcome to our, our, our podcast this morning. Thank you. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with our listeners. Uh, uh, it's a great day to be alive, and uh, we continue the journey during this challenging period in world history. Indeed, it is a challenging period in world history. We are talking today on on May the 11th of 2020, the day after Mother's Day, and the day after you know we've been in a um, uh, quarantine situation in our worship services for a number of weeks now, several eight or nine weeks. And we need to look forward to what's what's next. And I just thought it would be appropriate if you would share with our folks some of the thinking about uh, your recommendations from your office regarding when churches can get back to worship or begin that process of thinking about uh, going back to worship in our sanctuaries. Yeah, well, we've got we've got a lot of instructions from uh, the federal government and obviously the state governments. And we're in Indiana, so. Our, our governor has uh, provided guidelines on, on the uh, steps to reopening the economy and uh, society, and even some gui- guidelines for worship. 
but for the most part, uh, leaders of local congregations and denominations have been left with the responsibility of leading their congregations to reopen worship in the safest way possible. And uh, for the most part, what we have attempted to do in the United Methodist Church in Indiana is to provide uh, guidelines for churches to consider reopening. My, rec my initial recommendation was, uh, the most recent recommendation had been not before May 17th. I've asked churches to extend that and not plan to worship before uh, June the 14th. Uh, and some churches have already decided that they don't plan to worship before then. Some uh, uh, are, are ready to go back to worship this coming Sunday. Uh, and uh, we, we want churches to ask appropriate questions uh, and make sure that they have appropriate protocols and to, sh and to share those protocols with their conference superintendents before they begin opening, before they have gatherings again. Essentially, each uh, local congregation, each clergy, each leadership team is going to need to take uh, under consideration the state guidelines, federal guidelines, and the guidelines from your office and uh, offices of other bishops around the world mm. regarding when to reopen and to use appropriate measures and uh, for safety and security and getting back together. And so let's just talk about those just for a second here. And you've, your uh, office has outlined a, a process called logistics and learnings and leadings, but just in a narrative form, if you would, uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of details about this, but can you give us some of your thoughts about how churches can begin thinking about how to actually do come back to worship safely and securely and carefully? I think churches first, if you, if they can reflect on how, how, how have we most recently worshiped when we worship together or traditionally, how do we worship? For example, people uh, park in parking lots, they come into a particular entrance uh, they're, they're, they're ushers, they're greeters, uh, they're passing out bulletins. If they have bulletins, some churches, everything is on a screen. Uh, so what are the things that we previously had done that no longer would fit within guidelines of, of keeping safe, for example, safe distance, uh, for example, keeping persons from uh, being uh, greater, for greater exposure to the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, so typically, you know, we hand out bulletins or materials and, and that, that may not, that, that probably isn't something we should consider doing. Uh, typically, we uh, have congregational singing where everybody sings as robustly as possible. Uh, that's something we ought to consider whether or not that's appropriate, given the spacing that we have between people. Uh, how do, you, how do you maintain social distancing in a worship environment? We're used to shaking hands and some churches are known for hugging. And so these, this is a whole different world we're living in. So I think the logistics are some of those specific things that we typically do in terms of entrance and exiting worship, gathering for worship. How do you create a worshipful environment uh, and at the same time put in some protocols that would enhance Safety. I, I, won't, I won't use the word guarantee safety, but enhance safety. Mm -hmm. And then we also want to consider who are persons that really maybe want to uh, 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 pause and, and consider whether they want to 
return to worship right away anyway. If you're a person that has pre-existing conditions, you, if you have severe asthma, or uh, you know, you, you're, you're concerned about your immune system, uh, a compromised immune system, uh, there may be a desire to, to, to prolong even before you return to worship. So the, the logistics, the, the leading and the, and the learning that we have to have, there, we, there's a lot of learning we have to have on how we're going to do church now, given what we have experienced and the fact that it may be as much as a year before there's a vaccination. We have to find some new directives here. It's going to take some leadership uh, to, to do that. I saw the Proverbs 28.2 uh, passage of scripture, which was sent out from the message, when the country is in chaos, everyone has a plan to fix it, but it takes a leader of real understanding to straighten things out. And we're calling upon leadership in our churches, our clergy and our leadership and your leadership adored to help us to navigate all this. And one of the ways that you are choosing to do that, you're giving us some direction in the spiritual realm or around Aldersgate Sunday and providing some resources uh, for our churches in that regard. And you just say a little bit about that. And I'm also interested about your understanding of the Aldersgate experience for Wesley and how that needs to be personal for all of us. Well, I think about the Aldersgate experience uh, uh, of, of May, May of 1738, but also I think about, in fact, we often think of John Wesley, but both Charles and John Wesley had Aldersgate heartwarming experiences. And uh, it really- The same week, actually, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and we often talk about John Wesley, but for, for Charles Wesley, who is reported to have written over 6,000 plus hymn texts. Uh, I, I think about this, the hymn that we often sing, Oh, 4,000 Tongues to Sing. Uh, it said that uh, a part of his, his, his uh, conversion experience included a hearing from uh, uh, Peter Bowler say something to the effect that if I had a thousand tongues, I couldn't praise him enough. And so, even though we, we kind of kid ourselves, chat about the number of stanzas in No 4,000 Tongues, originally there were 19 stanzas in that, in that hymn because <laughs> yeah. most of them were about Wesley's uh, personal conversion experience. And I think at the core of the uh, Aldersgate experience uh, is uh, what, what is a disciple who is perfected in love? What does it mean to have your heart strangely warmed, uh, and to really know, as Wesley said, uh, you know, that, that I have been saved and, not, and that Christ died for me. Christ died for me and for my sins. So the, that, that has to do with the, the personal declaration and belief that Christ died for us uh, and, for, not, and for, died for all, but also died for us. So I think uh, the Aldersgate experience, we're looking at it as this is an opportunity for us to remember that we're part of a big movement that has a responsibility to continue to spread scriptural holiness and to be part of a church that believes that grace is important, but also action on behalf of the most vulnerable of our citizens. Uh, so we look forward to giving. Uh, uh, we are planning a worship service that we're putting together this week to offer to churches the bishop and the extended cabinet members 
so that they might use that and and encourage pastors to take a little Sabbath, uh, take a take a weekend off, and even if they don't use the service on Aldersgate Sunday, or some other Sunday, we think it is very important during this long journey of the pandemic that pastors know that they are loved and that they are saved uh, completely and that, that they have a bishop and cabinet that's been praying for them and will continue to do so. Conversion has to take place personally in our own Aldersgate experience before we can really be good leaders to help others in their faith journey as well. And I just wonder if you might want to take a moment to share your Aldersgate experience any time when you might have felt your heart strangely warmed, a transformative experience for yourself. I, I've had several experiences like that. One was uh, Brad at United Methodist Camping uh, years ago, Camp Reynolds Wood. Uh, I, I'm originally from Chicago, and this was uh, one of the camps that was part of the Northern Illinois Conference, it was the Rock River Conference. But um, I can remember being at camp uh, thinking, you know, wow, because we were singing all these songs about how Jesus loves us and, and the camp the counselors and others. At that time, there were pastors who were kind of the, many of the camp counselors, and they talked about their own call experience and about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, and uh, so I thought that even then, I didn't articulate it at that time, but I did realize, I said, you mean Jesus actually loves me and, and I possibly could be a pastor. Uh, uh, and I, I didn't verbalize it at that time, but, but I think that was one of my Aldersgate experiences, being at church camp, uh, a city boy who had not really been out, you know, I'd never been on farms before, I'd never been out um, riding horses, uh, and all of these were things that were made possible uh, through, through uh, camping experience. Yes. Well, camping experience is so important. I, it's part of my own Aldersgate experience as well as church camp and important part of things. It does make the question that you and I haven't touched on before about our outdoor ministries, our camping programs, or other extended ministries like our universities and mm -hmm. things of this nature. Uh, just any update you have about our camping programs or anything else along this line that, you, that might be helpful for us just to be, have some knowledge about. I think we ought to just keep praying. Our, our camping experiences, uh, they're still, we're still planning to attempt to have some camping experience this summer, some of which will be delayed. In fact, they're in the process right now of putting together protocols for how to offer some safe camping experiences. Uh, again, we really, full, we really expected probably maybe a year before our camping, a year or more before our full camping experience in, experiences can be reinstated uh, in the normal rhythm of things. And like our universities that are delaying the start of a school, uh, there's some schools that are really going more to online uh, uh, offering. And our camps, we may not be able to offer all of the same kind of experiences that pre previously we had done before. So we're putting right, even right now, putting in some places some protocols to offer camping experiences this summer, uh, and if we can't do that, we'll certainly make that make that uh, people aware of that. But it is our hope to have the opportunity for people to experience uh, camp. Sure. Well, it's such an important thing as we mentioned, both your experience and mine. But also, we need to find figure out ways to still offer uh, 
the environment for experiences with Christ to take place personally, even in these uh, tough times. Church doesn't stop. We just have to find some different ways of doing it. So, well, Bishop, in our last few moments together, I'd just like to see if you have anything on your heart you would like to share, and and uh, that's laid on your heart right now. I think Helen Keller said that that safety is, is really more of an illusion. There is no such thing as a safe experience in life. But uh, I do believe that when we open our churches or camps or anything, that we really need to keep before us the question, what needs to happen for us to do church and to do it in a way that it's safe? What, does, what needs to happen for us to have camp and to have camp in a way that is safe? And if we can't answer that question, then that probably is the answer in and of itself. We shouldn't do it or we shouldn't open it or we should start even more slowly with an abundance of caution. I believe that there's no greater time than now for us to be the people of prayer. I've often said, Brad, that the first and foremost business of the church is to be a prayer movement. Uh, we often talk about prayer warriors, but I like to think of the, a, cor a choral uh, um, gathering, uh, a choral movement of people who are committed to praying consistently uh, all the time and in all ways. My wife and I, when we get in the car before we pull out of the driveway, if we're riding together, we say a prayer. Uh, and sometimes throughout the day, we might just pause and, and say a prayer. So I, I want people to really hear that uh, our prayers do matter as we are praying for first responders and healthcare workers and essential workers, people who've already died, people who are grieving, people who are being challenged. And as we begin to open our economy in America, I want us to consistently uh, answer this question. What does it mean for us to be perfected in Christ's love? And what does it mean for us to be followers of Jesus in our prayer life? Uh, and, and I'd like if, if, if it's all right, would you, Brad, to close with a word of prayer? Absolutely. I would love it. Thank you, sir. Lord Jesus, we give thanks for the gift of this day and this night. Uh, we pray that someone who hears this podcast will recognize that, yes, they are loved by you, God. Yes, salvation is provided for us, for me, for you. And Lord, we give thanks for Jesus Christ, the incarnational presence of God with us. We give thanks, oh God, that you are still in the miracle working business. And Lord, we know that some of us are feeling on days a little bit off balance. We don't have things that we can control. But God, we want to praise you anyhow. We give thanks for the heartwarming experience, the Aldersgate experience of the Wesleys. And we pray that every person would have a heartwarming experience of the presence of God in their life. We thank you, O oh God, for this podcast and for the people of the United Methodist Church and for people of the human family, for indeed we are all part of one global human family. Bless us, O oh God, that we may be a blessing for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much, uh, Bishop Tremble, for sharing with us here on Being Encouraged with Bishop Trumbull here on the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. I hope that you heard many things that he shared with us today, but particularly two things. hope you heard that him describing his own personal Aldersgate experience at his church camp experience in growing up and how that was transformational for him and how that transformational experience is available to all of us 
who know Jesus Christ personally, and for us clergy and churches to provide the environment for that to happen for other folks. Then he also talked to us about the need for a prayer movement for us to respond to the question, what does, this, what does it mean for us to be perfected in Christ's love and to be a part of a prayer movement? It goes hand in hand, of course, with the heart strangely warmed to the Alders Gate experience of John and Charles Wesley. Here at the United Methodist People podcast, we're here to be helpful to you, to be a resource into your life. Recently, we've had episodes with Bishop Tremble to speak into your life about the particular situation regarding the pandemic, the coronavirus, which is impacting our lives and our churches, and how we can find some practical means to, to deal with that. We hope that it's helpful to you. You can always go to our website, unitedmethodistpodcast.com, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast, to make a connection with this community. We're here to be servants to you. So, friends, it's good to be with you, and we'll be with you next time here at United Methodist People Podcast. In the meantime, I just encourage you to continue to follow in the tradition of John and Charles Wesley, who indeed had their own Aldersgate experiences, and hope that you will too. And I want to close with this quote from John Wesley. Catch on fire with enthusiasm, and people will come for miles to watch you burn. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at facebook.com slash United Methodist Podcast. And always do all the good you can.